Hear the word of the Lord from 1 Samuel 16, 4 through 13. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He's tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was ruddy with a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, Rise and anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Samuel then went to Ramah. Thank you, Cynthia. Good morning. I love, I love what our sister Adrienne and Mark and Josh, I love that they're spending time with the Lord and, and putting words and developing melody and praising God and bringing us a new song. And the Lord says, sing a new song. And they are. And thank you for that. What a blessing. Uh, we're going to try to figure out a way to get that on the, on the web so that we can... Isn't that a beautiful song? It's beautiful. Powerful. I love it. So thank you. I don't know if you guys noticed, uh, a couple weeks ago, as I was teaching, uh, I had my Bible with me. And uh, it's kind of a smaller uh, font Bible. And, and I usually put my notes uh, in my Bible. And as I was bringing you the Word of God uh, and, and wanted to share these profound things with you of the Lord, I realized I could not see the Word of God. <laughs> and and I, I kept having to do this, take off my glasses so that I could dial in. And uh, I, I lost my sight. My vision uh, is off. And, and I couldn't see anymore. And so I went to the, I went to the eye doctor the other day I said, what is going on with me? And he examined me and he said, oh, it's pretty clear. Uh, You have what we call Brian Grant's disease. 
which is you're getting old and, uh, and you wear bifocals. He wears bifocals. And you may, you may, young Pastor Richie, uh, have to be wearing the bifocals. He needed to adjust my vision, and so we took a good look at uh, what was going on with my eyes. And what it reminded me of is that as we study this passage is that we, we need to adjust our vision. And like in the eye exam, you guys have done this, where they, you look through this little scope and they have two boxes. And they say, okay, tell me, tell me when the boxes come in alignment side by side. And so you're waiting and he tweaks the knob and, and then finally you see the boxes side by side. You say, yes. I can see that clearly now, side by side. That's what I think the Lord's wanting to do with us, is that our eyesight, that those boxes would start to come into alignment and that we are living, seeing the way that God sees as he views us. It's all about the heart. This whole, this whole book of 1 Samuel is about developing, growing, maturing, having a heart like God's heart. And seeing what he looks at, seeing what it means to, to value like he values, to, to be in alignment with what God has for us. And this passage this morning, as we just read, is God doesn't look at the outward. He goes right to the core of man. And he wants, wants you to see how he sees. And he wants to teach us that in living out the heart of God, we start to have his spiritual eyes and we start to line up with what he sees of us. What God sees to understand how he views his creation, you and me. How he sees the heart of man, how he desires a heart for us that seeks after him. And to recognize in our hearts, and to recognize in this journey of faith that we do not fool God. We don't we don't fake God out by all of these things that we're doing outwardly. I think he wants us to recognize, I'm going right here. I don't see all that stuff. I see what's taking place in your heart, even as you're serving and what the attitude of your heart is. We don't fool God with the outward. And in relation to ourselves, I think God is wanting us to see with his eyes how God sees us. Remember Peter as he's with Jesus? Hey, Peter, or Simon actually, his name. Hey, Simon, the one who betrayed me. Your name is going to be Peter, the rock. And I am going to use you to stand up and to lead this church of mine. Peter didn't see that in himself. Peter had failed miserably as a disciple. And yet God looked right to his heart and said, I know who you are, Peter, and you don't even know who you are. And so let me help you. I think God wants us to give us eyes and allow us through his Holy Spirit to see who God has made us to be and that he has purpose for us and value in our lives. So this morning is about God going after and seeing our hearts and giving us his vision for each other, 
how we view one another, and for what God's doing in our own lives. As we enter into Samuel 16, we, we find that Samuel is struggling. The scriptures say in verse 1, The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem, and I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Samuel is still grieving. You've got to understand, Samuel had been with Saul for 20, 25 years. This has been a, a long-term relationship. And God had said, I'm cutting Saul off. He will be king no more. You've got to assume that Samuel cared deeply for Saul. That it wasn't just, well, I'm just here to anoint you king. That he, that he cared for this young man who became king over Israel. And that he walked by his side and he, and he struggled through with him as, as Saul wasn't obedient to the Lord. And all of the energy and all of the emotion and all of the love that was involved in that. And then you find Samuel really at a place of despair. I'm sure he feels like a failure. I'm sure he feels like, what, what, what's left in life now for me? I'm the prophet, the one who anointed Saul to be king. All that work is done. And you find God stepping in, and it seems, it seems somewhat insensitive. It's like, come on, Samuel, how long are you going to grieve over this? You sort of feel like it's like God saying, get over it. But it's not that at all. The scriptures give us an idea that that Samuel had been grieving for a long, long time. From that point where, where the, the robe was torn and he said the kingdom is cut off, that there had been quite a, a period of time since that moment, and he'd been grieving ever since. The reality is it's good to grieve. It's good to grieve. And many of us have been grieving together with dear family as, as there's been a lot of death Uh, in these last weeks and months. And we grieve together. And Samuel's grieving. You know, the the loss of a friendship like this, the loss of a relationship like this, is like death, isn't it? Some of you have lost deep relationships. They've been broken. It's like a death. And so there's grieving that takes place. But the other reality, other than it's good to grieve, is it's, it's not good to grieve for a long time. It's not. You spiral downward. You often end up in incredible depression. You, you start thinking in your mind, and you know the enemy's whispering this to you. It's like, well, what else is there in life? Nothing left after that loss. You're good for nothing. Your life has no more meaning. And we start to go dark, dark, dark. And the Lord comes alongside in the middle of our depression in our dark moments like he does with Samuel. And I think what he's trying to do with Samuel, what he wants to do with us is, I want you to see like I see. And Samuel, what I see for you is that there's more to life. I've got more for you. I love you. You're my beloved son. And I I have more for you. And he speaks that to us, the Lord does. You're not a throwaway, Samuel. There's more kingdom work to be done. I want you involved with me. 
I want you tied into me. You have incredible value in my eyes, Samuel. And so it's time to stop grieving. And so he says, get up. And you know what? Sometimes the Lord does this with us. And, and, and he prompts you through the Holy Spirit. And sometimes you need to listen to the Lord on this, which is you have friends who are going through some hard times. And you need to gently come along their side and say, you know what? It's time to get out of bed. You've been there a long time. And I know you're hurting. But it's time to start living again in the power of Christ alone. And we need to be like the Lord was here to Samuel. Rise up. Rise up. And it's time to move on. I see you and I see more of you than you see of yourself right now. That there's life. And I want you to live only dependent on me, but there's life to be lived. You know, the Lord did this with Elijah. Remember Elijah had this incredible victory over the Baal prophets on Mount Carmel. One of the great scenes of all of Scripture and fire came down from heaven and consumed all the prophets and licked up the the sacrifice, and then Elijah wiped out the prophets. What a victory. Next scene we see, Elijah's hiding out under a broom bush, and and he's depressed, and he says this in the Scripture, hey, you know what, it's time to die. It's time to die. I'm done. You know, Jezebel's out killing all the prophets. You know, uh, there's nothing left for me. And the angel of the Lord shows up in 1 Kings and says, hey, here's some food, here's some drink, eat this, rest. Does it a couple days, gives him food. And then it says, in in the strength from that nourishment, he went on for another 40 days. Then the next thing we find, we find him in a cave, hiding out, still trembling. And then God comes upon, and, and, and you hear this powerful storm and thunder and lightning, and yet in a still small voice, God speaks to Elijah in the middle of his depression and dark space. And he says, hey, you need to get out of bed. I've got more for life for you. And he says, you need to get up because I have a king I need you to anoint. And so rise up. And he starts to help Elijah and he's starting to help Samuel get his alignment adjusted. I want you to see my heart for you and I see your heart and I know who you are and I know who you're going to become. And so get out of bed. And he does that. You know, I love love this beautiful ministry we have here. There's all these dear saints in this body who who have, have gone through incredible grief over the loss of their husbands. They call it the widow connection. And these dear women have come along each other's side and in the middle of grieving are lifting each other up and are reminding one another of who they are in Christ and are encouraging one another that, guess what? Life goes on. And are reminding each other of the husband that they truly have, which is the Lord. And so now they serve together and they come alongside, and they depend on each other. That's what we're called to be as a body of Christ. It lives out. It lives out the heart of God. And it puts us in alignment with his vision, his heart. So Samuel gets up. 
but his eyesight is still foggy. It was kind of like yesterday at Bogus Basin. I don't know if any of you were up there, but it was San Francisco soup up there, that fog. And, and it was like, okay, I'm off the chairlift, and I guess i got to go down the mountain. But I cannot see, literally. Zach, I couldn't see you. I mean, it was that bad. It was so heavy. And then not only heavy, but the snow was coming. So, you know, you, you, couldn't, you had to do the windshield wiper deal. And that doesn't help at all. And, but you still try. But it doesn't help. But it's foggy. But here's the deal. We had to go down the mountain. And, and I think that's where, where God is bringing Samuel and what he does with us is, you know what, our vision is off. All of a sudden, you can't read anymore. And he's saying, I know you're foggy right now, but I want you to trust me as I take you down this mountain. And I want you to start to see what I'm doing here. And I will lead you down this mountain. And so Samuel starts to ski and go down. Again, his vision's foggy. He's, he's amazingly, he's fearful of Saul, now, you've got to understand, how many times did, did Samuel confront Saul powerfully on his sin and deal with him in the things of the Lord? And then all of a sudden, he's scared of Saul. It, it shows you he's foggy, right? He's not connected with the Lord and trusting in the Lord. And, and he's a little fearful. Well, if I, if I go and do what you're asking me to do, God, you know, I might get wiped out by Saul. Saul, the one you've been telling that the kingdom's done? So we understand his humanness, but he's foggy. His alignment is off. So he arrives at Bethlehem, that familiar place for us where Jesus was born. The line of David coming out of there. You got to understand, Jesse is, is the grandson uh, of Ruth and Boaz. And so that's why they went back to, to Bethlehem. And in the scene, as, as Samuel shows up, the elders are fearful here comes this guy who chopped up Agag. It wasn't just like he killed him. The scriptures are real strong. He chopped him into pieces. So they're like, hey, good to see you, sort of. Not really. Are you, do you come in peace? And he says, I come in peace. I come to make sacrifice, which was true. And to consecrate and actually to anoint a king that God has chosen, that God has chosen. And so he brings the people in. He brings the sons of Jesse's in, Jesse in. And as, again, his vision is off still. He's real quick to look at these sons. And he, and he sees the oldest son. And he's like, yeah, that's the guy. Look at him, strapping young man. He, he's not adjusting his sight to what God is seeing. He's living like most of us do, which is, I will look at the outward appearance. And because because he seems so strong and he's tall and he's a big dude and, and he's the oldest, this must be the guy. And God keeps tweaking his eyes. And God keeps allowing him to see the heart of God and what he's looking at. And God responds like the eye doctor did. The Lord said, Do not look at his appearance or his height. Or stature, because I have rejected him, for God sees not as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You see, when we are growing, when we are growing and having a heart like God, so the theme for this whole book, and hopefully the theme for our lives, when we are growing like that, 
we are starting to value what God values. And our boxes are finally lining up. We are learning not to, to judge one another so quickly. Oh, and we're so good at that, aren't we? You know, even in the fellowship here, you know, we look for leaders for ministry. And right away, you know, in our flesh, we want, hey, we want someone who, who stands out. We want someone who, you know, can speak clearly and someone who's going to take the path. And, and God sits us back and is like, wait a second. You jump too quickly on picking that son. I look at the heart. And so take more time to listen to me and to get your vision lined up. And I know that the Lord wants to do that with all of us. I know that you and I, we struggle with that. And he calls us to a place of, wait a second, I'm not looking at those things. I look at the heart, and it's different in the way you're viewing it. We are drawn because we live in this world that is so outward focused. Do you realize there, there are three times as many uh, 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 suntan places, parlors, than there are Starbucks in the U.S.? Three times. It's a, it's a $5.5 billion industry. And when you talk, when they do the interviews and they evaluate this and they go to the, the, the young people who are going to get tan, and even though they know that a lot of melanoma is coming from these things, they say this, we don't care. It's worth the risk. We, we need to, to look tan because that helps us in our work it helps us in our social life, and our tan is what makes us more attractive to people. And that is the mentality of what's going on. And we buy into that. And we tan. And we, we think this is what is attractive, and this is what you know, makes it happen, and this is how we have success in life. Samuel's looking at these guys as they're lined up, looks at the oldest son, wow, what a tan that guy's got. Surely he's the guy. But then they go through the lineup, and, and God say, nope, nope, nope. I don't care about the tan. I don't care about the good looks. I don't care about his height. You've got to imagine Samuel's going, come on, Lord. You've got to be kidding me. I feel like a failure again. You called me here to pick out a son of Jesse, and, and you're rejecting them all. That's frustrating for us. The Lord says, yeah. And here's finally where I think, I think the boxes start to line up for Samuel. I think he says, I think he starts to realize, wait a second, the Lord promised that he would, not man, he would pick people, pick a son out of Jesse. And so as he starts to remember and, and know that God keeps his promises, he says, surely there must be another son there must be another son. And with confidence, he declares that. And sure enough, there is. Now, isn't it amazing in the scriptures, the view of David? He's not even mentioned by name until the end of this section. Yeah, I have this son out there. Here's one thing you need to know. God knows your name. He knows exactly who you are. You're not just some kid out in the pasture. But that's the way the world looks at him, even his own family. 
Yeah, there is one out there. He's the shepherd boy. He's the least. He's got really nothing to offer. We didn't even think. He's not really a player. So we didn't want to waste your time. And this is where God's radical way of life and the way he sets the standard, how he's so different from everything we think. He says, that's not the way I look at things. And I need you to open your eyes, Samuel. It's not about his height. David shows up. He's handsome and he has, the scriptures say, he has beautiful eyes. If eyes are the window to the soul, I think maybe David's spirit shone through. You ever meet people like that? You just have an encounter. You know, you're at a coffee shop or something like that. And, and, and the person serving you the coffee, you're talking to them, you're like, man, you're a Christian, aren't you? They just shine forth with, with the love of God. And sure enough, they're like, yeah, I am. I think that's the way David was. He, he encountered the Lord while he was shepherding. And he shows up and with bright eyes, beautiful eyes. And God chooses, and he sees with different eyes. And he anoints, he anoints David, the least, the one who's not important, the one who doesn't have value to anybody else. And he adjusts Samuel's eyes to see this is what's valuable. David has a heart that I'm looking for. And he anointed him, and it says, the Holy Spirit rushed upon David. It's this powerful term like Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, when the Spirit of God came upon. And then it walked with him, it was with him all the days of his life. What kind of people is God looking for? I want to share with you, uh, we, we, this church sent out uh, a team of 26 people to go to the Ukraine this summer and to partner with this young couple who has been ministering in the Ukraine with Young Life, uh, former Soviet Union, to come along their side as God was using this, this couple, Sasha and Ira Utkin, and, and, and has just done amazing things with their lives as they've served, as they have been depending on the Lord. And Sasha and Ira actually are here from the Ukraine, and I wanted them to come up and welcome them up, if you would, Sasha and Ira. And they have been serving faithfully uh, in the Ukraine and the power of the Lord. And I just wanted you to hear a little bit of their story. What kind of people does God look for? Because these two have hearts that are wide open to God and what he's doing. And so, Sasha and Ira, uh, thank you so much for being with us. And uh, we're so happy to, to be with you. And so, could you share with, with this church family, um, just again, how the Lord, how the Lord brought you into ministry, how he called you into ministry. First of all, good morning, everyone. Good morning. It's a, such a, a big privilege to be for us here. Between all of you. And it's just an amazing thing for us. Both of us from non-believer families. And we growing up at Soviet Union time, and, and we didn't know about believers or 
about the Christ anything. So then we uh, had amazing uh, chance to get to Young Life, first Young Life camp in Ukraine. And it was totally the best week in our life. So in this uh, week we get to know Christ, how he loves us, how he, uh, how he is great, and, and we get to know believers, and it was amazing. So we accept the Christ in our hearts. From, and from this moment we get uh, big hope for future we get the better life we, we get uh, a lot of good things from him and one question I uh, was asking God after this uh, what you want from me? What you want uh, that I am doing for you? Uh, maybe uh, each of you uh, ask the same question from the God. What you want to use me? And we understand how this question is important for each of us. So, uh, in this moment when uh, this question was really important for me, uh, I was, uh, I went to the forest, I been alone with the uh, Christ, and I started to uh, ask him this question. So, uh, and I read the Bible, read the scripture, it was a uh, book of Esther, and uh, God says me this verse. And that part when uh, Mardahe came out to the Esther and asked her, you should go uh, to your king to, re uh, to reach your people from uh, some kind of problem, you you should to go. If you're not going, I will find someone else uh, who will do this. So I totally uh, clearly see that picture when uh, God reached me from this world, from these problems. He gave it to me a new uh, life, uh, new hope new, uh, better life. And he gave it to me for that I go back and to change some someone else's life. And when I read this, uh, I was really scared because he said, if you're not going, I will find someone else. So that's why we're doing this uh, 17 years already. Yeah, amen. <laughs>
they're only they're only 20 years old, so. <laughs> so it wasn't only scared moment, but we we were called for this. So the God really uh, um, show us the vision for future. He really uh, give us. Uh, he, he gave us an understandable what to do next, what, uh, what would be the next step for us. So, and we had the, those moments when one of the leaders come over to uh, and start to uh, she, she, on that moment, she went to the college for uh, economical classes, and uh, she changed her life. And she come over and said, "I don't want to be economical uh, person in the future. I want to work with the kids, with the orphanage kids." And she changed her profile to the psychology for the kids, and she she went to work uh, to the orphanage. So when uh, God makes you full inside, you can do only that thing what he uh, wants from you. Yeah. And this is amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. And, and of course, the only way you're able to do all this ministry is because you have a doctorate degree mm-hmm. in, in how, to, how to love kids and you have all kinds of formal training, right? I'm not finished college yet. <laughs> Even. So it, I, I had the dream to, to finish college someday, but it's all the time to show us what you should to do. So. So, but uh, all these kids, when uh, I work with, uh, right now they are going to the college, yeah. and this is biggest joy for me than yeah. I went to college myself. Oh, amen, amen. Hey, I just want to tell you, um, you know, these two—they started out so young. They they accepted Christ uh, at a young age, and uh, at this uh, camp where the gospel was shared, and and. Actually, Sasha, Sasha was so angry at Gary Parsons as he's telling about the love of Jesus. He's like, you, you don't know what you're talking about, you stupid American. You know, go home. And, and the Holy Spirit on both of these guys uh, came upon their lives and changed their lives uh, forever. And then they showed up, not with college degrees and, and PhDs. They showed up uh, with a heart. And God saw who you were before you even saw who you were. Yeah. And they've been loving uh, these kids over uh, in the Ukraine, the orphans, and they're working with uh, moms, single moms, who are trying to make it through. And as Sasha and I were skiing through the soup yesterday, uh, he was talking about these young moms that are coming to Christ and they're baptizing. And the thing I love about their story is this is who God chooses. It's, it's not about having it all together. And it's not about... It's not about that I, I need to, to make sure that I have all the education and, and I've got all my ducks in a row. It's hearts 
It's hearts that are saying, Lord, I want to see what you see. And their hearts uh, are, are just in love with God, and he sees their hearts to the core. And for us as saints, you know, when God calls us uh, to be available, to be sent, just like King David, he was the least. These guys were young. He didn't have much to offer. These guys were just learning. And yet the impact for the kingdom has been beautiful, and we praise God for that. So let me just pray and thank God for you guys. Well, Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for Sasha and Ira, and I thank you uh, that you saw their hearts uh, even before they understood what it was all about, and that you transformed their lives, and that they have been available to you, Father, to be used for your kingdom. And thank you, Father, for empowering them with your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you are using them to minister to all kinds of kids who are broken and in need of your love and of your truth and of your salvation. And thank you that that you involve these two as they depend on you and you alone. And so, Father, we as a church family, we ask your blessing upon them. We ask that your spirit would be powerful in their life like you were on King David's, Father. Rush upon these two and use them, Father, as they reflect your love to this broken world. But thank you for life together in you, Father. Thank you that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And Father, uh, search our hearts, Lord. And we thank you that you, you see us fully. And Lord, we love you. In your beautiful and precious name. Amen. 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 Yeah. Just one moment more. Our church became the part of our heart. When we had the, such a nice team from your church last summer, and they done such a uh, beautiful and such a hard work, uh, it was just amazing things for us. 26 people who uh, make so many changes for uh, everything what happened in Ukraine. Thank you very much for encouraging them and for supporting them. And thank you for pr- your prayer and for your support. Us. Thank you yeah. very Amen. much. God bless you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Well, speaking of hearts, we have the children's ministry here to share with us a little bit about Valentine's hearts. So come on up, children's ministry. We are a class full of energetic fourth and fifth graders. We are taught it is better to give than receive and that God is love. We are giving a gift of love in the form of beautifully decorated cards and cookies. We are giving them especially to widows, widowers, grandparents, and anyone over 60. If a child offers you a beautiful decorated cookie, please accept it graciously. It is given with lots of love and attached. Our gift is germ-free, our teacher is a nurse, so we had to wash our hands before we began. (laughs) So please enjoy, and may God bless you all.
Everyone say happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Thanks, you guys. I was just hoping that if, if God looks at the outward, that maybe if he saw my heart and it was like a 60-year-old's, maybe I could get a cookie. Uh, <laughs> praise the Lord. Praise the Lord that he looks just at the heart. That he digs into our soul and that he knows who we are. He sees the beauty within us. And that he wants us to be involved in his life, in his kingdom work. And that he calls us. You see, daily we are being conformed into his image. And we are anointed. We are a royal priesthood. We are ministers of the new covenant. Ministers of reconciliation. And God looks right at the heart. And Corinthians says, God chooses the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before our Lord. You're not disqualified. You're not disqualified, like he said to Samuel. I've got more of life for you. And live in the power of the Holy Spirit. The promise of the Lord is that each one has been given us the Holy Spirit. And we live in the new covenant, dependent on him. And the new covenant says, such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from the Lord. May we be men and women. May we be a church family that is seeking after the heart of God. And may you go to the Lord today and say, Lord, here I am. I'm available. What do you got for me? I have no idea, but it's an incredible journey. And so thank you, Father, for your life in me. Amen? God bless. Go enjoy those Valentine's germ-free cookies today. (laughs) 